0: Podcast is part of the sports social podcast network. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unionx podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Um I'm joined by a very special guest. This is, I mean, this is your third time on my podcast now. Um, yeah, no, I'm even a regular now. Yeah, you're actually a
1: regular. How
0: are you doing, Felicia? Yeah, I'm doing good, you know. It's what it is. It's cold. It's really cold. And I don't want to go out
1: like, mm, it's too cold out here. But I'm
0: surviving. Yeah. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. It is very, very cold. And after um, today, I'm actually not going out again. until i have to go to Ghana because I'm not trying to catch no COVID. So, and ruin my. You've <laughs> <Me>
1: been <from> jealous. <laughs>
0: And ruin my really journey. Okay, so <laughs> Felicia, for those who don't, who can't remember you from previous episodes, I haven't heard you yet. Um, what is your line of work?
1: Okay, so I'm Felicia. I'm an economist. I currently work as um, an economist for the think tank, which is the Resolution Foundation. But prior to that, I was in the civil service. Um, I also run the Black Economist Network. So it's the network for people who are black and are interested or studying economics or working in economics, you know, to get together, I'll talk about economics because, you know, the field is very white. So, yeah, that's me. That's what I do.
0: Okay. Um, what made you get into economics in the first place?
1: Right. So I essentially got into economics because, you know what, I, t- I chose it randomly at sixth form. I didn't know what it was and I was like oh it's looking a bit different and it was the one subject that I did consistently well in and then I took it at to uni and I realized that it was a subject that we could use to solve some of society's biggest issues like inequality things that we cared about like why are my wages not going up you know things like that um and ultimately about making society work for people and that's why I got into economics
0: okay fantastical um <laughs> so you had a report published uh, recently. So congratulations on that, um, Thank you. which is obviously as spoiler alert. What's well, not really a spoiler because if you listen to this podcast, you know the title of it. When addressing um, youth home ownership. So, firstly, what? How did that come about? Um, why was that an important topic?
1: Right. So, youth home ownership, we all know, like, if you're out here, you're renting or you're living in your parents' home, you all know we're really trying to make it out here, you know, we're really trying to get our own place. And ultimately, owning a home gives you a sense of security, it gives you a sense of, like, shelter. It's also a space where, if you want to, you can build a family, right? Um, And you have that security. In the private rented sector, at the moment, is currently unregulated, it's it's a bit of a shambles, you know. Your landlord can just be doing any anything, can tell you to just get out and you have to pack your bags and go. Um, yeah, it's it's not ideal currently. Of course. How it's set up in the UK. So home ownership is important. And it's important especially for um like when we look at society and the state, simply because the less people who are owning homes now. Um, means that there's going to be a large proportion of people in the private rented sector in the future. And when we retire, uh, we still have to pay rent. (laughs) And where's that money coming from? It's coming from the state. But the state might not be able to afford all of that, so it's going to be a bit techie in the future. Um, So that's like another issue as well um, as to why home ownership is important and we should look at it. Or we should look at reform in other sectors. Yes. Yeah, that's so, not an option. Yeah,
0: so like reading your report, I saw some interesting information such as 34% of millennials will be renting to their retirement. So that's one in three of us. on sorry, God forbid. Um, And then... Um, <laughs> yeah. And then renters will pay 40% of average retirement income on rent, which is very, 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 very mad. So you don't well, really want to be paying four out of every £10 you have in your retirement income on rent. It's just not... It's just not the best it's thing. It's not ideal. Need. Yeah, it's not ideal. So, So, um... What?
1: Just a heads up my next project is actually on pensions in the future whether we're saving or not and I'm um, saving enough or not so like if you're interested
0: we'll talk about that again tight, what, in yeah it. okay so um, so what is the problem of home ownership for you so like what is like the main drivers of the issue what's the barriers and all that type of stuff.
1: Right, so I'll just start off with a bit of what's been going on. Um, basically, the last time there was a peak in youth home ownership was in 1989. This was way before I was born. <laughs> whoa,
0: whoa, that's a year I was born. <laughs> that was it. a year I was born. Stay calm, my guy.
1: <laughs> okay, 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 okay. The last time when he was born, that's when everything <laughs> went downhill. But I'm joking. Um, yeah, it was like 51% of um, young people, uh, young families were owning their own home. Um, but now that's dropped to like 28%, um, in recent times. And it's crazy because this is, it's not like it's something that's happened within a particular group. Um, it's happened across like income distribution. So for example, people in the bottom two fifths of the income distribution, um, their home ownership rates have halved in that time. Um, when we're looking at like singles versus couples, um, it's become much worse for singles and I'll talk about why that is actually an issue um in a, later on and also for ethnicity some of the gaps have widened that one was a bit of a mixed bag so when I was like trying to do some analysis on that um at the Chinese homeownership rate has actually increased which is which defies the whole trend but at the the gap between blacks and whites um young people that's widened so whereas like Black um, young people were twice um, twice less likely to own a home than white young people. That's increased um, to now black young people are less than four times likely to own a home compared to their white counterparts. So that's an issue. And where that leaves us is um, basically only 4% of young non-homeowners have sufficient savings or earnings to buy a home within their region. Mad. Yeah, it's it's kind of peak.
0: That's very peak. Um, so, so some of the questions I have. Um, so when we look at the issues of youth home ownership, is there a discrepancy between London and outside London? Because you usually, see, when when it comes to things regarding finances, there's, there tends to be a discrepancy because the majority of the higher proportion of wages are situated in the southeast. So that's London, Reading, and Slough. And also, yeah. when you look at house prices, again, it's usually London and the surrounding counties that are considerably higher in rental prices as well as um, house prices. Than the rest of the country is there any discrepancies between the youth home ownership between London and the rest of the country?
1: Yeah, there is actually. So, like, if we're looking at it from and when what was happening in the peak, um, you know, the home ownership rates were much higher. Um, in other parts of the country compared to London, especially outer London, where like home ownership rates were almost like closer to the rest of the country. Inner London has just always been low home ownership. So yeah. that one we know, yeah, it's not possible. But actually, home ownership rates have gone down um, quite significantly um, across all the regions, um, especially in outer London, has come closer to the inner London home ownership rate. And I think we basically have said that that indicates some sort of levelling down. You know, the government's trying to do this levelling up agenda, but we're really (laughs) levelling down. So I don't know what's going on there. Um, Gov and them man need to sort that one out. But yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay. So it's like basically everybody's suffering equally almost.
1: Yeah, I think across the regions, what we see is a bigger issue is the earnings. So um, not the earnings, sorry, savings, like actually saving for a deposit. That seems to be a bigger issue.
0: Okay, a question I was going to ask you is because, okay, if we're comparing people living in the northeast and the northwest compared to, let's say, people live in the southeast where there's more money, should we say, for, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. my guess will be yes, although there's more wages down down in the in the south, <coughs> specific sorry specifically um, London, but with the higher cost of living and the higher prices, mm-hmm. so the deposit you'll need to get a house in Manchester or Stoke or Middlesbrough or Newcastle will be significantly lower if you wanted to get a house in in North London. If you want to get a house in um, Essex or Enfield or or Reading, so my guess is that is it. I would guess that. Getting the deposit is a lot harder in London than it is in other areas. Is that accurate um, or does the data suggest otherwise?
1: Yeah, so across the regions, low savings is an issue. Um, the biggest issue is obviously lower savings and earnings. And the rates look pretty standard across all the regions. Like London is significantly harder. So like if you guys actually want to see the report, um, it's figure 14 visually shows you that the situation is actually peak across all the regions. Like, (laughs) it could be um, that you are on a London wage and you want to decide to buy out, which could help your situation. However, if you're trying to do that, but you're trying to save whilst living in London and then moving out, it's still going to be an issue, right? Because the cost of living is, you're still going to have to travel. You're still going to have to do input. You're still going to be in London. So it's tight. It's really tight. Um, Yeah. So you could you could move out. It could it could help. I know a few people who have managed to you know pattern it, but it's not going to be easy. It's not an easy fix. Uh
0: not at all. It's not it's not easy. Okay, cool. So we spoke about um, well, you highlighted um, ethnicity, which we'll go into in, in a in a bit more detail before. But um, we spoke about differences in region. Uh, but what about gender? So are we seeing men and women being? <clears throat> significantly affected um is there significant differences in terms of how they are affected in terms of youth home ownership or is it quite similar between the genders
1: so interestingly we didn't have um quite enough data to like differentiate between genders and that's because how we looked at it well with this with the survey information we used a, a new survey to try and an- analyze this um And yeah, the date is a bit choppy and screwy. So how we had to do it was through like family units Mm -hmm. and how we were able to differentiate between like singles and couples um, was simply because there was a variable where you can choose, is this headed by a single person? Is this a single person family unit or is there multiple people in a family? Um, So it's really hard to say, but I do think that's something that I would definitely take away and try and look at. And get the answer. Yeah, be I was interested. curious about that too. Yeah, I was actually quite interested to see how that, um, yeah, how that would pan out. Across gender as well.
0: Okay, so we've we've mentioned it quite a few times, earnings. So naturally, I, I believe I would assume that depending on how much people earn, that will have a significant impact on their ability to um, become home owners. So, what has the data right. shown in the in terms of the differences of uh, of wage um, wage brackets?
1: um so what we're seeing is that again home ownership across the board has fallen um if whether you're on the bottom whether you're on the top if you're in the top earning it's a bit been a bit lower um the fall and what and how we've been able to like gauge this as well is because we've looked at home ownership across occupation so what we're seeing is that so there's been a slight recovery in home ownership rates between 2019 twenty sixteen and twenty nineteen. Um, and that what we're seeing is that's driven by people who are in senior and manager um, professional mm. um occupations as opposed to those in like lower elementary um occupations. And when I say lower, I mean lower paid. Mm. And so what we're seeing is that if you're in like a more senior professional role, it's gonna home ownership is more accessible to you than it is for if you're in a lower paid role. Mm. Whereas when we look back in the early nineties, home ownership rates between sales and customer assistance, for example, and senior managers and officials was the same, basically the same. There's only Mad. like a five percentage point difference, but now the percentage point difference is like, is like over 20 or something, which is like, whoa, you know,
0: That's your that mother's. is
1: alarm bells for me because it's not always been... Someone could easily say, oh, yeah, but obviously, if you're in a senior role, you're going to be earning more, so you're going to be able to access home ownership. But this gap has widened so big. Yeah, it's
0: crazy. God of... At least that's one but. discrepancy that makes some some form of sense to me. Um, what about... Um, yeah. Okay, so what about ethnicity? So what's the data like between, let's say we've got um, Indian, Bangladeshi, Pakistani, Black African, Black Caribbean, White British irish like what what um chinese what what are we seeing
1: what we're seeing so the data was a bit funny on this too um simply because i guess they started properly collecting data on ethnicity from the early 2000s right Mm -hmm. um so we don't we don't have data that differentiates all the way back to like the 1980s what we're seeing is that it's a bit of a mixed bag actually um for the white group, obviously, they're the largest um, population, so we can see a clear trend downwards, or that it's lifted up a little bit. Um, we're seeing that for some groups, it's remained relatively stable. Um, for Chinese, actually, their home and ship rates have increased, and that could partially be driven by the fact that their earnings have also increased and they're doing um, over the past decade or so um, they've been doing a lot better in terms of occupation, income etc but when we look at for um, the black ethnic group for example, yeah that's been going down, it's, it was like in early 2000s data suggests it was like at 20%, now it's below 10% home ownership rate which is crazy to me personally, because that means like the gap between the black group and the white group has widened
0: significantly a um,
1: yeah, when we look at just a levels from a levels point of view, black home ownership is the lowest across all ethnicities.
0: Um, is there, did, it, did the data um, and your findings, <clears throat> sorry, um, was there any reasons why um, that you guys managed to find, like what led to this um, gap widening?
1: I, so the data didn't really pinpoint, like it didn't help in terms of digging more because I think the data set isn't as rich. Mm. Uh, especially since there were like there discontinu- uh, discontinuities inside the data, so it was really hard to like pick out. Um, I suspect that this is it comes from where black people are concentrated. So actually, I did my own post. Pers- like, I did a bit of digging as well, mm. and the concentration of black people in London, like London has the largest proportion of the black population, and home ownership rates are basically less than ten percent. And so that, there's a correlation there. I wouldn't say there could be a causation, but I haven't, we haven't done analysis into that. But the fact that the like the majority of the Black, a lot of the Black population live in London, which also has the lowest home ownership rates, could be a reason why that has occurred. Obviously there are other factors, but that's something that we'd have to dig deeper into.
0: Okay, okay, yeah. It will be interesting to see the causation for this. Um, what about, was there any talk about partnering up? Do you know, like some people say, listen, yeah. these deposits are like 80 bags. Like we might as well just come together as a couple or a group of friends or family or, do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, so it's funny because we when we run the numbers first and we was like, yeah, so only 4% of people aged 25 to 34 can um, own a home. And we did this in collaboration with Lloyds Banking Group and they were like, no, nah, run the numbers again. So we modelled different scenarios. And actually, the scenario in which um we we looked at whether couples that would shift the people who are eligible for home ownership or could access it um was about it was with couples so for example the like the default analysis the default model was four percent of people um with a lower deposit that pushed out to six percent of people um when we even modeled someone buying the cheapest flat in the cheapest and porous quartile of their local authority that pushed it up to 10% of people had sufficient earnings and savings. Um but then when it came to couples, I think that pushed it up way higher. I'm trying to dig the stat out because I completely forgot it. But yeah, <laughs> that was the highest that was the highest that was the biggest thing someone can do if they really want to get onto the home ownership ladder. Uh yeah. Partner coupling up. up.
0: Okay, that looks But awesome. this
1: presented some issues actually. Um Simply because, so we were looking at like, okay, we've seen it's become increasingly harder as a single person to own a home or step into home ownership, which is squeeze single people out. But naturally you can say, well, duh, because, you know, two incomes are better than another. But what this means when you're looking at it from a society, welfare and stuff is... It, that means it's harder for single people and that's not just single people like young single people who are like yeah they have a job and it's just hard like anyone can just be single at any time you mm-hmm. can get married you can have a loss you become a single mom a single dad a single parent but... and all of a sudden you're in a situation where you're now private rented sector is uh atrocious social housing oh god don't even get me started and now it's even harder for you to own your own home, even if you was to have a good job, a stable living. Do you know what I mean? So uh, that's something that was striking to a lot of um, the people we presented the report to. So,
0: yeah. <sighs> oh, only God can help us at this rate, mate. Um, So, um, <laughs> so going through your um, report, doing all the studying and information, what were some of the conclusions? What, what, what can be done to solve this and has anything been done to kind of sort this out?
1: Okay. So it's, it seems like it's a very multi-layered issue, right? Cause we looked at what, like what is ultimately driving this is the fact that people don't have enough savings or earnings. Um, and it's, people could say, oh, people are pushing home ownership later on, starting work later, getting married and having kids later. But no, that only explains about p- 35% of that. Um, but really and truly, it's about the house, the housing to um, housing cost to income ratio, which it's is too crazy. It's crazy. Like the way house prices have increased and the way earnings have increased, it's not matching. The math is not mapping. At all. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not matching. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, that's an issue and you think, oh, but interest rates are the lowest. That's also um, become an issue. It's also helped um, boost demand from people who are already homeowners. Yeah. So second um, home, like second home home homeowners, I forgot what the official term is. They're, they're also buying up this thing um, that pushes up competition. So it's very multi-layered and, um, that means if the government actually want to do something to solve this, it, it's going to require some radical action. And that is politically, like it's like political suicide, especially for this conservative government. Now nah, they can never do it because it would have to involve something like suppressing demand from people who are already capable of buying another home or buying a home mm. in order to prop up people who are struggling. And, That is not like, that is just not possible. Do you know what I mean? In this political climate, because people will be like, oh, if I have the opportunity to buy a home, why can't I buy another home? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, which is a fair question. Yeah. And so the other option is for the government to actually start looking at making the private rented sector um, something that is a viable option for people, you know? Because if more of us are going to be in it, it needs to be stable. It needs to be regulated. And actually, the I think the National Audit Office released a report um, last week literally saying that the state of the private sector is a shambles and the Department of Leveling Up and Communities and Housing needs to get their act together and regulate it. Because like almost a quarter of houses in the private rental sector deemed like a health hazard or just unfit, non-decent, um, which can't run. And is a big issue. So I think schemes like help to buy, um, new schemes that are coming out, like I think it's first homes or something or home buy. I can't remember these new schemes. They're all right, but I think the general consensus is they help those who are like on the margins. So people who are already going to own a home, um, they just get that extra boost, which is good. You know, that's a couple hundred thousand of people who are back on the who are on the housing ladder however like if you look at the charts which shows like a clear demarcation of where people are at in terms of earnings and savings most people are bundled towards the low savings mm. which indicates yeah there's still an issue Um, yeah it's, oh. it's tough it's tough
0: it's definitely rough I going to say again what do you think is achievable that our goal that a step that our government can make and is not going to be like too out of their political ideology, or do you think the necessary steps that need to be taken are too far away from the conservatives' political <coughs> political ideology to actually implement?
1: I think Boris Johnson said he wants to turn generation rent into generation buy, but that one is the indirect. What he would need to do in order to take us there is in direct conflict of his political ideologies and what the Tory party stands for. So what they can do is probably help the people on the margins, to be honest, like continue doing schemes, like help to buy or these new ones, like first homes, I think that's coming out, um, which kind of, you know, helps move people along. Um, I think ultimately they're going to have to look at the private rented sector to make it an option that is viable to people. There's also going to have to be some... Someone's going to have to address the issue of house prices somehow. We don't yeah. know how, um, but the house price issue is crazy because, what's it called? I think in this past year, over the pandemic, house prices have risen like past like 30K. Do you, that, what? Like, huh? Have my wages increased that much? Is it <laughs> Yeah, so... You're saving, you're saving, but your money is always chasing this unreachable goal because the goalpost is always moving.
0: It's, it's, it's tough. I think the things that need to be taken, like obviously the thing you mentioned about um, the places that aren't suitable for a rent that needs to get patterned. I think there needs to... Um, there's, just, there's just so much stuff going on. I think the Conservatives, they believe that by building more affordable houses, it addresses a source issue. But first of all, you can't build enough of them for you to match the demand. That's number one. A lot of yeah. these houses, and I haven't checked in the last year, I mean, since pandemic, but before pandemic, by speaking to my people in real estate and also just um, my own um, anecdotal research, by I tend to like to live in like quite modern looking flats. So I live in like, mm. a lot of the newer tower buildings and I could see the people in here and it's, a lot of these places are sold um are sold off plan like so mm. you, let's say you build a new block of flats in in I don't know in Tottenham brand new yeah affordable housing that's the aim blah 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 the majority of those places are already sold to people before me and you even know they even exist and right. so even speaking to um, estate agents they they are um sorting out flats like one of the flats I lived at the um the landlord and literally has only seen the flat twice in person. The landlord, she lives in China. She oh, did, wow. Yeah, yeah she, she, so she's collecting rent from a, a completely different time zone. And these people are able to buy it off-plan yeah. uh, cheap um, uh, because they've got the money. And it makes sense because the, the returns you get on housing is going to absolutely slam dunk any form of savings account right. anyway. So it just make, it makes logical sense you've got the money to do it, especially because borrowing is cheap because of the price of interest rates. So... Just bu- building mm-hmm. bare houses is not going to work because one, these houses are still expensive and as you said, it really only helps with the schemes that people who are on the margins. So that's not really going to cut it. What's going to cut it is you actually have to do things that are going Im- to impact the price. So one of the things, yeah. some of the things that are going to impact the price is either raise interest rates significantly. That's going to impact because people aren't going to be able to keep on buying houses like being able to buy um, cheap assets. And another thing I think that could be done to help um, sort out the price is land value tax because houses mm. are such an interesting thing because if you have like let, let me get I'm trying to think of an example if there is a if there is a um, motor let's say if there is a bike um a scooter you know them um scooter things that people go on um, yeah it whizzes around London in them yeah if you've got one that that has um. Uh, three hours battery life, yeah, and then you've got another one that has 20 hours battery life, you would assume, and the market would assume the 20-hour one is going to be the better one and you wouldn't pay the same price for a 20-hour um, um, scooter for three-hour scooter because it doesn't make sense. Right. You're getting mm-hmm. six times, almost seven times the amount of longevity in the 20-hour one, right? right. But that doesn't ring true for houses. Because if I make, if I build the exact same house, yeah, and I place one in whatever street you want to call it in Stoke, and I place one in Chelsea, the one in Chelsea is going to be significantly more expensive, even though it is the same house. And that's because of literally the land, the land the house sits on. So although we're, Paying for houses, are we like? Oh, <clears throat> sorry. Oh, we want a house to have an island, or walk in walk in wardrobe. Oh, ooh, it's got really nice wardrobes. Oh, it's got a nice bathroom. <laughs> the most important thing in terms of the price of that house is still where the land it sits on, and that's yep. the, and that's the issue. So a uh, land because to me it doesn't make sense that land is so mad. To, uh, uh, sorry, this rattles me so much. Land is such a mad concept, yeah. Because let me let me explain like this. Yeah, if Felicia. Start selling cakes, yeah. She is contributing something to the economy. She is buying the raw materials from another company or individual seller, and so that's putting money into their pockets who they might have members of staff. She's then making good products that can be sold to people so people can buy them and enjoy them, use these goods, which are the cakes, and with the money that she gets, she can pay for her staff. She could pay for goods and services, and that puts money in the staff's pockets to go and and that how that's how economies work. Money's circulating, right? If you if I okay. buy a house on the street, yeah, and I own if I own land on the street, and there's nothing on that street when I first bought the land, yeah, <laughs> my land, let's say my land, my land costs hundred thousand pounds, yeah. Felicia comes on and builds a Tesco, yeah. I've got nothing. My land has gone up to two hundred k. Then let's yep. insert person A comes and puts a school. My land's gone up again. Somebody else puts a Westfield. My land's gone up again. Somebody's put a chip. And I am benefiting and I'm gaining equity and I have not put anything into the economy. I've not done nothing. I've not created a good yeah. or so. I've done absolutely nothing.
1: Basically unearned gains. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that needs to be taxed. And I think that's the only way we can start to get some form of normality in prices. That's my personal yeah. opinion. But I just don't see... Um, the political class doing it one, personal interest, a lot of people are landlords themselves and a lot of their donors mm-hmm. are landlords and people with money and secondly, I just don't think the majority of the country is aware of this enough and it's maybe a bit too complex no. So, but I think that's, that's my opinion, what, what do you think about that?
1: No, I definitely agree with land value types I think it's just ridiculous you can just buy land, be like alright, I'm keeping that land there I'll see it in 20 years, come <laughs> back and you've made money are you mad? are you just, what? <laughs> That's crazy. That's really crazy. Um, especially when it comes to things like cancel tax as well, uh, business rates, all of that kind of stuff where you're uh when I was working in like um, local government finance and I was looking at the cancel tax system, I'm thinking this does not make any sense. <laughs> We're evaluating cancel tax based on valuations from nineteen ninety one it doesn't make sense that's actually that's, crazy that's
0: though that's, that's crazy that's legit <laughs> fair years ago
1: yeah so that's literally how this thing is working um so and so i looked into land value tax, and i was like yeah this is this is the way to go there's more like analysis that i'd like to do on that as well and if i do i'll give you guys a heads up because it's important 100 important
0: 100 percent. Okay, cool. Well, I don't have any more questions. Where can people find you and your content now you're back on the airwaves and uh, you know,
1: yeah,
0: and on the YouTubes and all that type of stuff?
1: Yeah, so it's Felicia Ayenswa. So that's F-E-L-I-C-I-A. And Ayensua is spelled A-Y-E-N-S-U-A on all platforms, on a YouTube, on Instagram, on a Twitter, you can find me Um yeah if you want to keep up with my publications just go on to the resolutionfoundation.org and look at under team you'll see my name and you'll see all the work that i've put out there and will be putting out there um yeah so that's where you can find me but it's been great
0: okay thank you thank you Felicia, for joining me and yeah people make sure you follow Felicia. the links will be in the description as well as the link to the report so you can have a look see yourselves and yeah until next week people
1: peace Podcast Network.